All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. You're listening to Dropping the Gloves with former NHL All-Star John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. Welcome to Dropping the Gloves, the official podcast of HockeyFights.com. Haven't said it in a while, but the fights are back, Tim. If you want to see a good dust-up, go to HockeyFights.com, right, Tim? There's been a bunch already, even three days into the season. Well, what's a bunch? Because it's funny, I was doing the our predictions podcast a few weeks back, and I was predicting fights, and I was looking at, you know, fights from last year and the year prior. It's like, what's a bunch these days? Like, back in the day, the preseason, you'd have, like, seven fights a game, and the, a bunch of fights would have been five fights in a game. Now a bunch is, like, one fight over a, a night? Is that a bunch? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, maybe it's because I'm paying more attention because of hockey fights, but it seems like there's more fighting so far this year. Again, it's only been three days, but compared to what we saw last year. Brendan Lemieux, that little stinker, he's came out of the gate flying. He's got a couple fights under his belt already. But yeah, we uh, it's nice to see. I, I enjoy a good fist of cuffs. So it's, uh, what has there been? Let me see. There's been five. So that, that's a good start. None of them really of mention, you know, that have been really, really good fights. I guess the Vince Dunn fight was okay. The Seattle fight, he kind of, he buried somebody on Nashville. And then someone came running over some big Russian kid and kind of took care of Vince Dunn. It was a decent fight. But other than that, like Brendan Lemieux, had a, it wasn't even a good fight. But there has been some fights, which has been nice. It's nice to see a little passion back in the game. But other than that, I know. What did you think of the first? The first week is almost done. I think we have a couple more days left. What What is your first impression? Um, the Montreal Canadiens are done, right? They've lost their first two. So I think we can write them off. Um the Arizona Coyotes, everybody forgot how bad they were. And they were playing a bad team in the Columbus Blue Jackets, and they just got their wheels and doors and steering wheel and everything, everything in the car beaten off of them. Like it was, it was a shellacking eight to two. Poor Arizona. They might not win a game all season. Everyone was sleeping on them, focusing on how bad Buffalo was going to be. And boy, oh boy, did the Coyotes look every bit of the worst team in the NHL last night. And everybody's talking about, oh, Ottawa's going to be bad. Buffalo's going to be bad. They're going to make the playoffs, Tim. They look great. Buffalo absolutely worked the Montreal. Who did they play? Montreal? Uh, who did they play last night? Yeah, Montreal, 5-1. to one. They worked Montreal. 
Ottawa took the Maple Leafs lunch money. They looked really, really good. Toronto looked disinterested for the first two periods. Not a good look for Toronto. I'm kind of all over the place right now. I'm just bouncing around. But, man, Toronto, two games in a row, starting both games, just absolutely terrible. Their first game versus Montreal, their first period was awful. This game versus Ottawa, the first two periods were awful. So if, if I'm Toronto, that's a concerning stat. And then you add on to that, Peter Mrazek gets injured. We don't know how long he's out. You're stuck with Jack Campbell, who he has looked really good in four periods of action. But if you're going to rely on him the whole season, not a good look. Montreal, we'll, we'll dig into all of those. Let's start with the Boston, the Boston Bruins, Tim. How happy were you when you saw this deal get done? Charlie McAvoy basically signs his life away to the Boston Bruins. Eight years, 9.5 per. It's a lot of money. It's the biggest amount of money the Boston Bruins have ever, ever, ever given out to one player in their storied history. We're talking Ray Borks. We're talking Cam Neely's. We're talking the who's who of hockey players, Poster Knox and all these guys. Charlie McAvoy has set the new bar for amount of money given out to a Boston Bruin. What were your initial thoughts? You're a Boston insider, Tim. What was there? Is is Boston excited for this signing? Well, of course they are. And I mean, this is my my first gut reaction was like, wow, that's a lot of money. Um, because from a like from a negotiation standpoint, right? When this contract kicks in next year, he'll be the third highest played defenseman in the NHL behind Dowdy and Carlson. So if like that's the high end of what he's going to be making, right? Like if, if I'm McAvoy, I'm starting at 9.5. That's where I'm coming at. It's almost like the Bruins even negotiate, right? Like maybe the Bruins start at eight and a half or 8.2 or eight or eight, and they meet at like nine or high eight or something. So 9.5, it's a lot of money, but he's worth it. He really is like the advanced stats guys will tell you he's the best defenseman in the league at five on five. Uh, the, the knock on him is doesn't have a ton of power play production. Doesn't put up a ton of points. Um, but I think that'll change, especially now with um, with Forbert being his deep partner. I think the Bruins have gotten a little bit better. So hopefully he'll start to put up a little bit more points. But he's going to be their, the cornerstone of their defense, their blue line, for the next, what is it, eight years that he signed? It's basically the whole length of his prime. And really all he has to do is just keep doing what he's doing. He's already, by any measure, one of the best production, best, best defensemen in the leagues. So, yeah, I'm pumped. Boston's going to be very excited about that. Yeah, the the thing with this situation is Charlie had the Bruins, like he had them right where he wanted them. They they walked away from Tory Krug last year. He was supposed to be their guy for a long time, so they needed to keep Charlie McAvoy. If they could not keep him, they were they were looking pretty pretty grim. So Charlie knew he had a little leverage when it came down to the negotiation. So as it stands right now, I don't think, you know, you, you can throw around all these advanced stats and everything. Do you think he's a top three defenseman in the NHL at this point? Do you think he's a top five defenseman? Where do you think he ranks, you know, out of all the, the Heiskanen's, the McCars, the Headmans, these top end guys, where does McAvoy fall? Is he in the top tier or is he just outside the Roman Yossi's of the world? Where does he fall in your mind? I would put him top five. Yeah. I mean, if you, you got to think all situations, right? Like offense, defense, power play, penalty kill, five on five, neutral zone, defensive zone. Like if you take that all into, into consideration, I would put him in the top five. And some, some will put him in the top three and some will put him – Five to ten, you know, but I, I think I think he's probably like a four or five in the league right now. 
I think that's a, a generous, that's a, that's a homer take on him. I think he's probably seven to, to 10, seven to 15 defenseman right now, but he, he could grow. I think what people forget about Charlie McAvoy is when you think of him, it's like, well, gosh, he's been with the Bruins forever. He's got to be 26, 27. He's only 23 years old. So he still has a lot of time to grow into his game. He, he, he grew a lot last year. He was basically thrown the keys to the Boston Bruins defensive group. Brandon Carlo got hurt. They lost Tory Krug. Zdeno Chara wasn't there. They lost a lot of their stalwarts. And it was like, oh, Charlie, like we, we need you. And he stepped up. He had a really good season last year. He was a very, very big part of that Boston Bruins team. And he's being rewarded for it, rightfully so. And I don't mind this deal. I think it's a good deal for the team and for the player. Charlie, I don't think like much like the Brady Kachuk contract, much like all the contracts we've seen recently, it's a futures contract. And will he grow into a $9.5 million player in year six and seven? Will this look like a good deal? I think it will. So it was, it was necessary. The, the weakness of the Bruins for the last few years, in my opinion, has been their defense. And this has slowly grown into a pretty good strength of their team. Um, Matt Grizzlick has really improved. I like the way he plays. Brandon Carlo, he's a good defenseman somewhat. I don't think he's, you know, the guy the Bruins think he is. I think he's a four or five guy, whereas they have him as a, you know, a two, three guy. But, you know, he's, he's a decent defenseman. And then I agree with you, Charlie. He's a one A. Like he's an excellent, excellent top 10, top 11, top 12 defenseman in the NHL. So I, I like the signing. The Bruins needed to do it. You know, they, they had a tough break with Krejci this offseason. They haven't really made that big of a splash. They had Taylor Hall last season. That was a good pickup, but they needed to keep McAvoy. This was a mandatory thing for Cam Neely to do, and he it's done. They can check that box. They can kind of move on, you know, start working on Tuca, maybe start trying to get some supplemental scoring. They have been in on the mix with Jack Eichel. You know, some interesting news just came to light. Why don't you fill us in on the Jack? As the Eichel turned, someone someone um, sent me a message. They're like, you, you've had all these soap opera things about Jack Eichel, but you haven't done General Hospital, which is the, the low-hanging fruit. It's like General Hospital, Jack Eichel, surgery. And I don't know why I apologize. I, I should have, you know, put two and two together. My soap opera game is apparently not that strong. The only soap opera I watched as a kid growing up was Coronation Street, which no one knows because it's like a strictly Canadian soap opera that was, well, it's not even Canadian, it's British. So that my mom watched that every single day. So I was like, Coronation Street, and like no one's going to understand that reference. So as the Eichel turns, what is the next chapter, Tim, of as the Eichel turn? Has, has Jack's twin brother came back to Buffalo? <laughs> Eichel Hospital. Oh. Um Really interesting little segment from on ESPN, Emily Kaplan, who's just really been like kind of the center of, of all the news since ESPN, the new season launched. But she commented that five teams are still in on the Eichel deal. And actually there was a trade that was about to go down last week and then somehow Thursday or Friday it died out. But she said it was imminent and it's probably going to be imminent again any day now. But the interesting thing was that of the five teams in on him, all five of them have agreed to let him get the surgery that he wants if they acquire him, which to me is a pretty remarkable thing. Like, what, what do you take away from that? Uh, gosh, that, that's an interesting take. I, I just think it's the teams, they've done their due diligence. They've done some research and they're comfortable. They must be comfortable with the surgery. What this says to me, though, is there must be some kind of clauses in this contract where if he does get the surgery and it ends up bad, they can terminate the contract. 
that's what this, I don't know why a team would just take a risk like this. So the actual fine print of this contract will be very interesting because there's a lot of just, there's a lot of things that could happen. He could get the surgery. He could be Jack Eichel. He could be the guy. He could get the surgery. It could go sideways and he could never step on the ice again. He could get the surgery and it could affect him his whole playing career. And he's not the same Jack Eichel. So there will be a lot of just asterisks in the contract. We'll let him get the contract. But if he doesn't come back for two years, that first rounder turns into a third rounder. We can let him get the surgery. And if he comes back and he plays well, everything's good. So it'll be interesting to see the terms of this contract, but teams want Jack Eichel, you know, and obviously Buffalo is stubborn. I wonder if this makes Kevin Adams now that all these other teams are saying, you know, what, we're cool with it. If it makes him second guess his stance on the surgery, it's like you're selling a house. Jack Eichel is the house. The house needs a new kitchen. Any good realtor will tell you, you fix the kitchen yourself. You'll get more return on it. You spend 10 grand on the kitchen. You can jack up the price by 40 grand. If I have a healthy Jack Eichel, I'm getting three first rounder and a prospect. If I have a subpar Jack Eichel, who there's a big question mark around him, I'm getting one first rounder. So, but then there's the risk of maybe the kitchen's going to cost me 40 grand at the end of the day. And I'm not going to make any money or maybe the market tanks. There, there's a lot of what ifs in this whole scenario, but I don't know what the value is for Jack Eichel right now. I, I'm very, very interested to see what these teams are going to offer. The fact that there's five teams circling, this is good for Buffalo. It's very, very good. And once I thought the Rangers were out, I was like, gosh, there's going to be one or two teams that are going to be vying for Eichel. But the fact that there's five, Kevin Adams is he's in a good, he's in a good position right now to negotiate. So who do you know the teams, Tim? I know you're an insider. I know a few of them. I know it's probably Calgary and Vegas. I saw the Bruins were interested in the Anaheim and the LA. Those are, I think, the five are. So uh, it'll be interesting if there was a trade imminent last week. Man, if, if there's a trade that goes down, my prediction of Jack Eichel playing before Evander Kane, pff, I'm, I'm doubling down. I, I'm like, it's, it's a no-brainer. So I don't know. What, any other thoughts on this? Because it's a, definitely an interesting situation. I mean, I, the, the reason I thought it was remarkable, because it doesn't make the Sabres look good. And maybe it's just the posturing by these other teams to say that, because it, you know, he's, not on their, he's not on their books right now. But it makes the Sabres look like they're holding out only for like ego or principle or pride at this point. We're like, hey, they don't want to be wrong, so they're not going to let them get the deal and just and to get the surgery and just trade them. Um, so I don't think it looks good for them that all these other teams are saying, yeah, no problem, we can, you can get that surgery if we if we acquire you, and they're not letting them do it even though they have them on the on the roster. So it seems, it seems like they're just sticking to their guns at this point and maybe not doing what's best for them. Well, I think they're taking the advice of their doctors and they're just kind of rolling with that. I, I, I don't know. I don't think it's them looking stubborn by any means. I think it's teams willing to take a gamble and the Sabres at this stage in their, you know, d- the franchise, I don't think it behooves them to have a healthy Jack Eichel going out there. They're not going to win. Like they're not going to make, they, they have made their, their status for the next five years. They did that this offseason by trading Ristolainen and trading Reinhardt, getting rid of everybody. They're, they're regrouping, they're rebuilding around Hofstra and cousins and, and these guys. So Eichel doesn't fit in those plans. So, what what good does it do them to try to get this you know surgery no one's ever gotten in the NHL? What if it goes south? Then they're stuck with this guy on on the books for the next however many years, five years, paying him fifty million bucks. So I understand they're protecting their asset. They're not going to go out and just do this you know surgery that no one knows how it's going to end up. So 
I, I don't think they're being stubborn. I, I don't think this is a bad look on Buffalo. It's, it's a team willing to take a gamble, you know, and where do you gamble, Tim? What, what part of the country? Vegas. It's all coming together. Vegas is going to get them. They're going to trade. Um, who are they going to trade? Braden McNabb. He's going back to Buffalo. There you go. I just, I just, I just solved the mystery. All right, what else are we talking about, Tim? I don't, as the Eichel turns needs to move on to another day. I know. Um, the Wings Lightning game was a standout for me last night. What a game, boy. Wow. Yeah. So the the highlight, one of the highlights, Tyler Bertuzzi scored four goals last night. I didn't see all of them. I saw one of them was an absolute just beautiful goal. It was like a one-on-two against Hedman Sergachev, which is their top pairing. They, they usually don't even play together, but the top, they're two best defensemen. And he split. He threw the needle. He split the, the defense and and scored on uh, Vasilevsky. A beautiful goal, like behind between the legs. It was really good, um, but it wasn't enough to beat these guys. So they the Red Wings had two different three goal leads, and they blew them twice. And then, so, oh yeah, and then and, I mean, once the game goes to overtime, you know the Lightning are going to win. The Red Wings have already lost at that point. Well, especially right? when you're up by three goals and there's seven minutes left. In an NHL hockey game, if you're up by three with seven minutes left, you can punch it. Like you're you're gonna win that game ninety nine point nine percent of the time. But all right, go ahead. Well, they lost. That's my point. Yeah. So it's it's got to be uh, disheartening for them. A couple, you know, other key things that I thought were cool. Mo Sider, friend of the show, and I think he's gonna become one of my favorite players. He had this cool little thing. Um, did you see this clip with him and Hedman between the no. whistles? Were they, um, like, were they talking to each other saying hi in, Mo. in front of the bench headman had the puck just like it was like a tv timeout and cider like just game by him and takes the puck away from him just just because i don't know just picking on headman or something and then uh headman turns and like gives him a, a nice stick tap like under the arm in the armpit so cider turns to confront him and sorkachev's come to adam and cider like drops him and there's a big scrum and it's just this cool moment from Sider not backing down, picking on arguably the best defenseman in the league and just kind of making his mark out there. The problem that that comes with that is he's going to have a target on his back if he acts that way. Right. And he, he came on our show and said he's never fought, doesn't know how to fight. And he told him, like, if you you play your game, you're going to have to answer the bell at some point. That's not even playing the game. This is just this is just extracurriculars after the whistle. Yeah, and especially if you're doing that to the Victor Hedmans of the world, you will have to answer that bell, especially if you're a rookie. Someone's going to test your medal, and we'll see how he stands up. He's a big kid. You know, he told us he loves to play the physical game. He loves to throw the big hits and get in scrums and do that sort of thing. So Mo's going to have to back it up one of these times. You know, we'll see how he's a tough – I think he's tough. You know, he he hits. He plays the physical game. He better be tough or else he's going to have to change his game pretty quick because as sad, as sad as it is, I don't like this side of the game. If you throw big hits, you are going to have to get in fights. I don't like that. I've always kind of, kind of thought that was a bad part of the game. If you throw a good, clean hit, someone's going to challenge you. But it is what it is. It's a part of the game. And he'll have to answer for some of his big hits or his shenanigans like this, taking the puck from Hedman. It is... Uh, Good for him. Stir it up, baby. Like, there's no expectations in Detroit. Get after it. You know, so make your mark on the NHL. Uh, he's going to be a good one. I, I agree. I don't think he's going to be my favorite player. I think it's a bold statement, Tim. You just maybe got a little man crush on him. But I like whatever you need to say to yourself. Mo Sider, you're all in. I like it. He played well. Who, who gave Bertuzzi that, that pass right up the middle? Our guy, Mo Sider. He got two assists that game. Gets on the board. Very nice. There was a little ugly incident, though. A little, a little fisticuff, a little sucker punch, a little Todd Bertuzzi special. And who, do you know, 
the most unlikeliest guy did it. Dylan Larkin, captain of the Detroit Red Wings, Red, 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 Wings, Red Wings, say that five times fast. So he gets hit from Joseph. What's Joseph's first name? Curtis? Matthew. Matthew Joseph. So it's, it's a dirty hit on Larkin. You know, Joseph catches him in a very vulnerable spot. Larkin goes into the boards. He's rightfully so upset. He's looking for Joseph. Joseph's skating away. He's like, I'm out of here. Larkin says, not so fast. Whammy, sucker punch right in the side of the head. Joseph goes down, ensuing scrum rightfully. So he's going to get a pretty heavy suspension. He'll be the second suspension this year because Landeskog already took the first one. So what do you think? What did you think of the play? I, I thought it was, he was fired up. You know, he's passionate. When you get hit like that, like I'm going to quote Steve McIntyre, your wires cross. You This has only happened to me a couple of times in my, my life where I, where I just thought someone wronged me and I wanted to just exact revenge on anybody in my perimeter. And he just went after, like, he, he obviously wanted to confront him. He just came up. He's like, I'm swinging. Let's go. Luckily, he left his glove on. If his glove was off, this could have been really, really bad. So I don't know his, his suspension history. I don't know if you could pull it up real quick. I doubt he's ever been suspended ever in his, in his career, going back to infancy. So if I'm Peros, I'm giving him one or two games. I think that's a fair suspension for him. He was in the heat of the moment. Obviously, I don't think he intended to sucker punch him, but he did, you know, you can't judge his thoughts. You judge his actions. So he sucker punched a guy two, maybe three, but I'm usually dead wrong with this stuff. So he's probably going to get 25. So I, I don't know how George Peros kind of judges all these things, but he will get a suspension. He has to, he has a hearing. Do you know if it's in, in person or uh, over the phone? It's Tim? not in person. All right, so it's going to be less than five. I, I think it'll be two. That that's the that's the range. I don't know. What what do you think? You saw it. You're a Detroit insider. Well, what yeah. did you hear? What are you hearing out of Detroit, Tim? I've been on the phones all day trying to get behind this thing. Multiple phones. Multiple oh, yeah. phones. Not one. No. Multiple. Three. I have three on my desk. Um, I liked it in the moment. Like I I don't I don't like guys taking cheap shots, and he he should be penalized even if he's not suspended which i think he will be i'm sure there's a fine coming at the minimum but i like guys playing with like an edge i, I like them kind of having that that passion in the game didn't like the hit he took and went after the guy his glove was on like you said the cool thing was at, right after that he punched uh joseph and immediately before even looking around larkin shed his mitts because he knows he just started something and someone's going to come after him so he's like ready to Lead by example, be physical, drop the gloves, whatever. So I, I think you do want to see that from your captain. It's too bad that um, maybe took it a step too far, but at least he was ready to answer the bell. And maybe it seems like not something you'd usually see from Dylan Larkin. So maybe we're going to see him maybe step up or round out his game a little bit. Um, he certainly is wearing the C with, a, you know, some kind of responsibility there. So um, it will be interesting to see. I'll keep working the phone. But in the meantime, I liked it. I did. You like to you like a good sucker punch. That just kind of sums not up the sucker you. punch. Not the sucker punch. You're the and only guy. You're the only media podcast guy. I guarantee you that will have this take. What did you think of uh, Larkin's play? Loved it. Loved it. You, I loved it. I you didn't listen to my whole thing. I said I don't. I don't love the punch, but overall, I like the guy playing with that kind of passion. And, and part of it's because it's still in Larkin. You just don't expect it. If, it's, if one of the Kachucks had done it or something, I'm sure I'd be having the opposite take. That's true. That's true. You know what else is true? I watched this game on ESPN Plus because it made it, made it so easy, Tim. 
I was like, which game am I going to watch tonight? There was bing, 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 six or seven options. I said, you know, what? I'm going to watch this one now. I'm going to switch to this one. If if I had a TV for Pete's sake, I could have watched two at one time. Or if I had split screen, something fancy like that, you can have multiple games going on at one time. You could set up your phone, your iPad, your TV, your computer. If you wanted to, you could set up a whole just surround TVs everywhere. Watch every single game. The reason is ESPN Plus lets you watch all the games in market, out of market. You can catch thousands of games throughout the year. It's an amazing, amazing thing you got to get. You got to go to ESPNplus.com forward slash NHL forward slash gloves. Check out all the NHL action. They're really pushing the NHL. Like I, they're really giving it a ton of airtime. So it's fun to see they're doing really cool stuff. They got Charles Barkley for Pete's sake, new, new graphics, new camera angles. It's a really good thing. And then on top of that, you get everything else. You get the UFC stuff. You get some all other sports. They got a ton of stuff. Tim, you know, I, I'm on there checking it out. The 30 for 30 library. It's fantastic. They actually wanted to make a movie on me. Did you know that? I know. I yeah. turned them down. They got to show Why? me the Dory me, baby. Like, I'm not just going to let them do it for free. Show me the money. I'm like Cuba Gooding Jr. You got to show me the green if you want me to play ball. But you don't have to show much green if you want to play ball with ESPN+. Plus. So go to ESPNplus.com forward slash NHL forward slash gloves. Get yourself some ESPN action. Every game you want. It's super cool. And you get all this other stuff like we talked about. All right, Tim. With that being said, we're moving on to the Boston Bruins again. What did I say before the season? Sleepers. Guys, you should pick up. A little man named Swayman, a little goalie named Swayman. I thought he was going to split 50-50. Lo and behold, that little stinker's the starting goalie for the Boston Bruins in game one. What did you think? Is this a shock? You're a Boston insider. You're plugged in to the whole scene in Boston. You and Gronk, you just ran that town when you were there. What are the Bruins thinking? What are they saying? Because you figure you give Allmark 20 million bucks. He's going to come in. He's going to be your number one guy. What happened? Why is Swayman getting the pipes in the first game, Tim? Uh, it's really just about the preseason performance. Swayman played really well, and Allmark played really not well. Um, so I, I, I thought they would still give Allmark the, the job for game one, just given the contract that he's making. And, like, the message in the offseason was that they brought him in to kind of be Tuca's replacement. But Swayman earned that job. And, and the, the discourse right now in, in Boston is that it's Swayman's job to lose. So if, if he keeps playing well, I mean, obviously there's still, there's still going to be a split, but it's, it's going to be more of a – a one and two situation and, and, and less of a one and one, a one, one, a one B type of situation, which we thought it would be. So I I'm surprised by it. Um, but I don't know that it doesn't mean, I mean, the, the sample size of Swayman is still so small. I don't yeah, know how many played, NHL games he's under, under his belt. Do you have yeah, he played 10 last year. He had a good sample size. He went seven and three with a nine forty five save percentage and a 1.5 goals against. That's a pretty good sample size. <laughs> So it's yeah. not bad. And like you said, he did nail the preseason. Allmark was zero and two, and he was at 839 save percentage. That's garbage. Yeah. So it, it, it was an easy decision for Bruce Cassidy to make. But still, it, if Swayman ends up, you know, being the guy and he's their starter, does this like it's going to make it hard for you to bring back Tuka Rask? Does it not? Because if Swayman's the guy, your backup's goalie, goalie's making $5 million a season, what? Is there room for Tuka Rask in this crease? I, I don't know. I'm sure they can find a way, but boy, oh boy, it, it's a good problem to have. I like this Swayman kid. He's good. Allmark, he'll he'll get better. He was a good goalie goaltender, a good goaltender in Buffalo. He obviously had a bad preseason, but you can't judge him for that. We're gonna, you know, let him have a little bit of a more of a runway to uh to show us what he's got in Boston. But I don't know. Jeremy Swayman, who would have thought me? Because I told you to draft him in your fantasy team. I hope he did. 
If you didn't, I, I blame you. I totally blame you. Another game I wanted to touch on, Tim. Toronto Maple Leafs, Ottawa Senators. Everyone thought Ottawa was left for dead. They just signed Brady Kachuk. He wasn't, see his entrance, you know, they show him on the Jumbotron. Usually a guy would just go and wave. He's pumping up the crowd. He's like, let's go, like raising his hands. He's getting the fans into it. They uh, they worked the Toronto Maple Leafs last night. You know, if it wasn't for Peter Mrazek and Jack Campbell, the game would have been 6-7-1. I feel like Ottawa outplayed in the first and second period. Did you see any of this, the highlights, any of the stuff, Tim? Or were you busy just watching Bruins, just tickers going by? Charlie McAvoy and just started down in Sam Adams because you just loved it so much. Yeah. The second one, the second one, I didn't watch. Do, the you, game. do you just specifically drink Sam Adams or will you, you know, go outside of the new England area for your beers? I'll go outside of Sam Adams, but I stick to new England beers only. Obviously. What, what is another new England brew that I don't know about? Harpoon is in Boston. Have you had that experience? No, I've never even heard of Harpoon. They're they're pretty big in New England. They're like uh, founders here, but no, uh, I didn't watch that game. It was a good game. It's like I said at the start of the show. It's concerning for Toronto. Their defense looked atrocious. I don't know what's happening with Hall and Muzzin. They looked awful. They were just as bad as Seth Jones was Chicago in his debut. They were giving Ottawa all kinds of time, all kinds of room everywhere on the ice. And if you want to be a Toronto Maple Leafs team. You want to run and gun. You have to take care of your own end. It, it was, it was amazing how bad those two were. Like they were just giving Ottawa all, and not just like on the sides behind the net. They were giving him room in front of the net. They were giving him room on the rush. Their gap control was terrible. I don't know what happened. Maybe this is just the first couple of games hiccups. But boy, oh boy, did Toronto look really bad defensively? Thank goodness for the goalies, like I said. But it, it's funny. If, if you look at the results from the first couple of games, like if you were gambling on the games, you would have lost every single bet because all the teams that you expected to be bad, they won uh, Buffalo, LA, Ottawa, all these teams that you were expecting to be garbage this year. They all won in pretty decisive, you know, Anaheim, Anaheim. So it, it was a very upset first couple of days, but I, I hearken back to last year when Ottawa and Toronto, they played in Ottawa's first game in Ottawa and Ottawa beat them pretty decisively. I think it was a four, one game. And everyone was like, oh, this is going to be a good series. Ottawa's going to have a good season. Ottawa went on to lose the next nine games, and they were completely out of it for the rest of the season. So I don't want to get too excited for Ottawa. They did look really good. You know, they had they had a lot of jump in their game. Toronto looked very sluggish, disinterested. I don't know if they're just trying to get to the playoffs or whatever, but that's not going to cut it. So it'll be interesting to see how Ottawa answers. They play again this Saturday. We'll see if uh, Brady Kachuk is in the lineup. They said they're going to give him a week a week and a bit to kind of get his legs under him, get him back in the team. He'll have the C on his chest. I would imagine I, I they're going to let him wear the A for a couple months and they're going to give him the C he's the captain of that team. That's um, that's set. But another thing I noticed this game or not this game, this last night games, the LA Kings looked really good. They came out and it was like the old is new again. Kopitar was flying. Drew Doughty is flying. Dustin Brown was flying. They looked like really dangerous team. All, all three of those guys were buzzing around the ice. The LA Kings, you know, they looked pretty strong. And mind you, it's the first game. Let's not get too excited. But it was it was pretty neat to see LA doing well, Ottawa doing well. Buffalo looked really strong. Kyle Poso, Craig Anderson, who would have thought a 40-year-old goal, starting goaltender for the Buffalo Sabres would just have the start of his career. He, he played really well. So it was kind of neat to see the old guys, you know, kind of, putting it to the kids a little bit for the first game. I don't think it's going to last, 
But if it stands right now, Mitch Marner's going to get zero points this year. Isn't that exciting? It's kind of neat. I saw uh, John Bouchacross from ESPN tweeted something about uh, Kopitar this morning or last night where he said he said he talked to Dustin Brown this summer when they added Philip Deneau. It said adding Deneau will open up Kopitar's offensive game. He'll be able to focus more on scoring and less on that the shutdown role. And then what does he do in the first game? Three goals and two assists. So, yeah, I think, I think there's something to that. And, again, it's one game. Who knows if, how it will play out over the course of the season. But it's pretty exciting for them right now. Yeah, Deneau is a good pickup. I, I don't think he gets the recognition he deserves. I obviously dump on him a little bit just because he doesn't put the points up. But he does all the little things you want. He's going to shut down the other team's first line. He did it with Montreal with that shutdown line, him, Gallagher, and was it Tatar? They played extremely well versus the other team's top line. So, yeah, he's a good fit. And I think people just think of Kopitar as this, you know, he's a Selkie candidate. He's a very responsible forward. The guy's got some pretty good mitts. You know, he he's not just a defensive first forward. He puts up some points. When he came into the NHL, he was putting up legit points. He was a point-per-game guy. He was getting 81, 73, 76. It's just he's been focusing on defensive side of the game for the last two or three years because he's had to, but gosh, in 17, 18, he put up 92 points in 82 games. Like he's, he's a legit offensive threat. When you were on the sharks, what was the, what was the game plan for Kopitar? Um, you limit him because he's so strong. I don't think people realize how big he is. Like he's a big body and he's super strong when he's around the puck. It's hard to push him off of it. He's every bit of six, three, 230 pounds. So he, he just kind of got to take away his space. We would always put Logan Couture on him, trying to get in his hip and just take away all the space. Because if you give him room, if you give him room in the zone, he's going to make plays. He had Jeff Carter playing with him. You give Jeff Carter a, a shot anywhere. He's going to put it upstairs. He, he scored last night, I think again for Pittsburgh. So he's, he's lethal when he was with Kopitar they were a very dangerous team like it was scary and that's when Dustin Brown was playing really really good too so it was um it was always fun playing against Kopitar because he just he was always smiling joking around but he played really really hard so hey if if he has a little less responsibilities on the defensive end if Dano can take care of those defensive zone draws and you can let Kopitar kind of exert most of his energy in the offensive zone. This LA King team, you, you never know what they could do because the Pacific, we've said it before, it's wide open. They could sneak in a third or fourth seed in the Pacific's division. And once they get to the playoffs, you know, who knows? They got a ton of experience. They've won Stanley Cups before. Yeah. Hey, stranger things have happened. They won the Stanley Cup being the eighth seed before. So we will see how this kind of shakes out, but it's a good start. For the LA Kings, it really is. They looked good. Ardvidsson, I have followed. Like they all looked really. Brendan Lemieux, friend of the show, <laughs> pseudo friend of the show, kind of the friend of the show. He does follows us the show, yeah. Once, yeah. but anyways, it, it was a good start for LA. Good start for Ottawa. Good start for Buffalo. Do I think all three of these teams will maintain? Yeah, well, that remains to be seen. But it's it's a nice start of the season for these little these little underdogs, Tim. I agree. I agree. Any, any other uh, takeaways from the last night's games? No, I think it was a good first uh, first couple of days. My my Fantrax team is winning, uh, not by much, but we are winning. I started Louis Erickson last night. I don't even think he played, so a little disappointed in that. He didn't he didn't garner me any points, but uh, no, no. Seattle got its first win. Very exciting first franchise win over Nashville. That was uh, always kind of neat to see a team. Pop that cherry. Very exciting. But oh, let's let's do let's do a game tip. Let's let's do I a little just, game to end this episode. We will, but you just mentioned fan track, so I had to check my team. I hadn't checked it today. They're doing really well. I'm winning as well. So well how many points you got? 62 first 42. 
I got 68 and a half. That means I'm better than you. But there's some and people who have days. like 150 points. Like there's some guys, because it's a huge league. We we had to cap it at 200 just because we had thousands of people who wanted to enter, but we had to cap it at 200. And I think the top guy has got like 130, 140 points. So I don't know who he picked. He must have picked Ovechkin, that guy. He's going to get 80 goals this year. Did you know that, Ovi? 80 yeah. goals. At least it's going to be epic. All right, let's do a little game, Tim. We're going to do a little over under. What do you think? Yep. Yeah. yeah. I'll give you some, uh, I'm going to give you some players on numbers. You tell me if they're going to have over or under these, these scores. So I'll, I'll explain as we go. So the first one, Connor McDavid over under 135 points. Oh, way over. Yeah. Way over. I What's think he's number? pushing 150. You, it should, the numbers should have been 150. Yeah. I, I think he gets, he he's pushing 160 points this year. That's what I think. I think he's going to maybe average two points a game. So that yeah, much over, way over. Matthews 48 goals. Um, the injury scares me. He's already missed two games. He hasn't played yet, so I'm going to go under. Sabers Buffalo Sabers 28 wins. Well, gosh, yeah, I'm hedging my bets. I already know they all they got to do is get 27 and 81. But I, gosh, going under. Sorry, Buffalo. Uh, Cole Caulfield, 24 goals. He's got zero goals in two games. See, I, I, I'm ahead of the game now, so he, he's not looking too good. I'm going to go under. Okay. Um, will the Leafs over under one playoff round win? I think over. I think this is Toronto's year. I think they're going to make a push and make the Stanley Cup finals. I, I, I like this team. They need to figure out their starts. It's only two games. If the Morazic injury scares me a little bit, but I, I think they're over over one playoff round win. Okay. Islanders over under two playoff round wins. My, I also have them potentially going to the Stanley cup finals. I, it would not surprise me to see the Leafs and the Islanders in the Eastern conference finals. That would be a pretty logical bet for me at this point. So I got them over. Over under 3.5 coaches fired during the season. During the or, season. So the season ends the last day of the year. Sure. No, it's way over because there's always a slew of firings after someone's last game. And there's still a few more games left. So I think it's over. What's what's your number there, do you think? Six. Wow, seriously? Five or All six, right. yeah. Over under 59 points for Jack Hughes. Who is Jack Hughes? Is he the one in Vancouver or New Jersey? <laughs> Come on. He's in New Jersey's first overall two years ago. Ah, under. New Jersey is not going to score 59 goals the whole year. They're going to be very <laughs> offensive depleted. They're going to have a tough time scoring goal. They'll score more than Definitely. 59. I know that. Just spare your letters, but I'll say under. I, I think he'll get close, 55 points, but just, just to, I bet you his brother gets more points than he does. That would be a good question. Who gets more points, Quinn or Jack? I'm going to say Jack. Who gets more points, Brady or um, Matthew? Matthew. Who gets more points, Seth or Caleb? Seth. I think there's no more brothers. Is there any more brothers? Uh, probably, but I don't. Not off the top of my head. Who got more points, Henrik or Daniel? Henrik. He did. Yeah, Daniel had. We was a goal scorer, but Henrik always had more points. I sat next to him at the All-Star game. Did you know I made the All-Star game in 2016? It was amazing. Um, he sat next to me in the locker room, and I didn't know who he was. No, I had to, on. like, look up at the name play. <laughs> I, yeah, because I was like, Sadine. I looked at him like, hey. Glanced up. Henrik? Did, did he talk at all? 
Yeah, we chatted. It was nice. He sat next to me. It was it was hard to talk because I had a camera in my stinking face the whole time. But he's a good dude. Quiet, but red hair, whatever that means. (laughs) So, but he was a good dude. You know what else? Whenever I saw him, it made me hungry because he's he just has that red hair, and I like food that's red. And you know what I need to do when I'm hungry, Tim? I go to DoorDash. How about that transition? It was about as smooth as a piece of. I didn't know where you were going with that. I was just trying to get to DoorDash somehow. The show's almost over. We got to throw this in here. But you know what else we can throw in there? A sandwich in my mouth. So if I want a sandwich, I'm just killing it today, Tim. It's unbelievable. I go to DoorDash.com. I use promo code GlovesDD if I'm in Canada. GlovesDD USA if I'm in the US or just US, not USA. Excuse me. Use our promo code. Get yourself some food. It's a win-win. I say it every time because I mean it. You're going to get 25% off. You're going to get free delivery. It's going to be epic. You're going to get delicious food. It's going to be the first order is pretty much free because you figure you get 25% off the order and you save the delivery charge. It's like you're getting a steak dinner for the price of a a happy meal. So just go for it, baby. Treat yourself. Get a couple beers with that order. It's fantastic. I use it. Tim use it. Tim uses it. It's delicious. So go to DoorDash. Huh? I might use it tonight. Dump it on my ad. Just cutting right in. Killing me. But yeah, use DoorDash. Go do it. Give us uh, a little shout out. Gloves DD in Canada. Gloves DD US in the States. We really appreciate it. Anything else, Tim, you want to touch on? Uh, I just going back to Sadine real quick. I wanted to just recall two years ago or so. I asked you on the show, what, who were the players you respected the most? And you said the Sadines for, for like all the garbage they took on the ice. They were just harassed and, and chopped and hacked and all that. And they never complained to the refs. They never said peep and never retaliated. All they did was put up points. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, I, I still stand by that. They was they're, they're the pros pro when it comes to hockey players. Like everybody, for as much junk as they took, they were the pros pro, and everybody respected them for that. And I was on Chicago, and all we did, like, we wanted to murder them when we played Vancouver. Like it was such a hated, heated rivalry. Like the things that would you know be said in our locker room about those two were very, very intense stuff. And I still respected the heck out of them just because you know we would literally make their lives a living hell. And they would just stand up and skate back to their bench. They would never talk. They would never retaliate. It was amazing, the restraint. I, I don't know how they did it. They must do something in Sweden that like gives you some kind of virtue to not retaliate. It was, it was amazing to watch. Dave Boland, who was very, very much of a, of a huge rat, and they were just like, – he, he was invisible to the Sedins. It was amazing. Yeah. So I, I respect those guys. Uh, last over under Ryan Reeves, 1.5 suspensions under, I think he'll get one, not two. Yeah. The only thing I was thinking with him was that, I don't know, is the expectation for him to sort of be the bully in this division now? Will he take it too far and cross the line a couple times during the season? But yeah, I think one or two is probably the number. Well, hence the 1.5, Tim. So it's either one or two. So you either go one. You can't go over and under. You can't just like say that. I'm just telling you where, where that number came from. That's what do you I thought of Michael? Over or under? I'll what? say. I'll say. I'll say under. Yeah. Oh, great. We're both in agreement then. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> hey, John, is your is your birthday on Sunday? No, it was like last week. Why? Uh, is oh, this I a joke? Had the, I thought we had the same birthday. 
you know what? That's the 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 shadiest way to get your birthday out there. It's some you, you millennials are so full of yourself. It's on. You know how, when did you find out it was my birthday? Did I ever say anything? Uh, I found out on Twitter through some. Yeah, because I don't say a word. I, you know, you know when you've grown up when you don't tell people it's your birthday. You know, because it's just. You know, you don't, it's not always about us. So that's really funny. Is it your birthday on Sunday? I'll be driving down to Disneyland on Sunday. Very exciting. So the next, from the next show, I'm going to be on location from Walt Disney World, where dreams come true. This is going to be very exciting. So I'll, I'll let you know how that goes. Six kids in Disney. It's going to be very exciting. We're doing six, six Magic Kingdom, for two days. Magic Kingdom, Animal Kingdom, and then a water park disney water park wherever that whatever that is so very exciting we'll do some episodes from florida it'll be fun maybe we'll go catch you uh i'm not gonna catch a game this teasing anyways everybody i hope you guys have a very good weekend um i appreciate the support and listens go out get some doordash go use espn plus and uh give us a five-star liking on our old uh feed right tim that is correct all right everybody have a good one we'll talk to you next week cheers Thanks for listening to Dropping the Gloves with John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. Delivered by DoorDash.